ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I'm just very uh, excited, you know, excited, attacking each day. Like John said, I'm attacking it with enthusiasm unknown to mankind. Like some people say, like, have a nice day. That doesn't quite resonate with me. I mean, it leaves something to chance. I mean, we can, let's make it a great day. You hungry? You want to eat? I mean, this is, a, this is an all-you-can-eat buffet right here. So let's get that work in. I'll play as long as I can, then coach, then die. I said this the other day, but I only got so many hour, sands left in the hourglass, and, and uh, I want another shot. I want another shot at uh, uh, to be simply known as world champions. Uh, the Lombardi Trophy, um, you know, that's, that's my mission. Tough team, you know, a resilient team, a relentless team, a physical team. That's what we're going to aspire to be. Don't let the powder blues fool you. Gonna be known as world champions. We're gonna we're gonna work at that or die. We're gonna do it or die trying. I have a suggestion for a Christmas gift for 2025. It would be a Jim Harbaugh doll with a pull string with about 10 of those sayings. Who's got it better than us? Nobody. Everything else he says on a regular basis. There's only only so many sands in the hourglass. I, I just, you know, all of his sayings. I'm going to attack the day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. The Jim Harbaugh version of Woody from Toy Story. Don't add there's a snake in my boots, but every other saying, put it in there for Jim Harbaugh. And look, it seems a little hokey at times, but it works. He knows how to coach football players, and I believe it's far more likely he's going to be effective than not effective, Peter. Mike, you know how this is probably TMI when it comes to Peter King. But do you know how that there are some nights that you just can't sleep? And I've been waking up because of this stupid cough that I have for weeks, honestly. So you're wide awake. It's 2.30 in the morning. And you go into the bathroom. And you just sit there and you go down a rabbit hole. Do you know how that sometimes happens when you start looking at your phone at three o'clock in the yes. morning, my rabbit hole yes. was I read the Jim Harbaugh press conference transcript and I took out, I decided 
for my column on Monday, I'm going to have, and I'm going to call it Jim Harbaugh's greatest hits. Harbaugh's greatest hits. And you just played three of them. You know, only so many sands (laughs) in the hourglass. You know, I play, I coach, I die. I want to get a championship. I mean, you know, it was, it's the kind of press conference and the kind of stuff that you read or you hear and you say one of two things. Holy cow, I'll never match this guy's intensity. Or if you're Justin Herbert, you say, hey, listen, nothing personal against Anthony Lynn and Brandon Staley, but I never listened to them and thought there is no way we're not going to win. And if we're not, if we don't win here, there are going to be bodies laying on the side of the road. And and there's a reason why with Justin Herbert, since drafting Justin Herbert, the Chargers are 31 and 37. And Justin Herbert had to watch that and say, next four years, we ain't going 31 and 37. That's for damn sure. So I think probably a lot of players are thinking, okay, if I'm going to pay the price to be an NFL player, I'm going to pay it with a guy who is going to probably drive me mercilessly and who I might hate a lot of days, but who's probably going to be able to get the job done. They should already apply for trademark protection for the phrase, don't let the powder blues fool you, because that would sell. A T-shirt that says that on it would sell, and we're going to hear that from him time and again. This is what Justin Herbert has needed. Jim Harbaugh said on the CBS set prior to the Chiefs-Ravens game on Sunday that he was starstruck when he met Justin Herbert. Look, we all know Justin Herbert is a franchise quarterback. He just hasn't achieved the kinds of success that a franchise quarterback typically does. And it causes some people to start to wonder, Peter, is he really a franchise quarterback? Can you be a franchise quarterback if your franchise isn't winning enough games to get you to the playoffs and to cause you to hold a 27-0 lead when you get there? How can you be a franchise quarterback when your franchise struggles? And having Jim Harbaugh there, he wanted this job last year, Peter. You probably heard the same thing. He wanted it last year when he interviewed with the Broncos. He wanted the Vikings job two years ago. He wanted the Chargers job, and now he finally gets it. And I think that it's going to be great for the Chargers. And I've heard from multiple people they're paying him $16 million a year, which pushes back against the idea that Chargers are cheap. They were very sensitive about that. But let's see what they do. There's been dysfunction in that organization for years as it relates to too many injuries, just too many great players who aren't delivering. Now, with Jim Harbaugh, it's time to deliver. And look... He wants multiple championships. It would probably be easier if he wasn't in the same division as Patrick Mahomes. But still, we've seen the Chargers give the Chiefs everything they can handle without Jim Harbaugh. It's it's going to make for some really good AFC West games with Andy Reid there, Sean Payton there, and Jim Harbaugh there. I think Antonio Pierce may be thinking, I should have been careful what I wished for. Yeah. Hey, look, the cool thing for, for this division, as you said, you got – two Super Bowl champions and you've got a national champion in uh, in Harbaugh and a guy who coached four years in the NFL as a head coach and took his team to the championship game three times. So this is all of a sudden the division of coaches. And you're right about 
Antonio Pierce. It's one of the reasons why if you're the Raiders and, and look, a lot of people rolled their eyes and scoffed at Tom Telesco being named general manager. And I actually like the pick of Tom Telesco for a very simple reason. Yeah, he had some questionable signings. No doubt about it. J.C. Jackson. I mean, look, we, we don't have to go through all of them. But <clears throat> the one thing about Tom Telesco is that he was raised in this business by Bill Polian. And Polian really understands, and I'm sure taught Tom Telesco, uh, taught everybody in that organization, that you have to do two things. Number one, you have to get the quarterback. Absolutely, unequivocally, you have to get the quarterback. And number two, you have to get, you have to hit on the middle and low round picks in modern football. Okay, so to me, whether you actually do it or not, I think they have a general manager who understands what needs to be done. Now they've got to go out and do it. I'll just say one other thing about the Raiders right now that are that's interesting to me. Look, they don't have, probably don't have their quarterback of the future. Probably today, if they had to start a game, it'd be Aiden O'Connell. But you know what? Broncos might not have their quarterback of the future either. You know, so in Jarrett Stidham. <clears throat> so I'm just thinking, Mike, that I don't think that, first of all, that that division for the Raiders right now is totally, that they can't win it. They've, they've already had their moment on Christmas Day this year where they not only beat the Kansas City Chiefs, they handled them. They handled them. And so to me, I, I, wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be morbid about all of this stuff and what's happened in the division the last two years with Peyton and Harbaugh coming in. I, 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 think, I think Antonio Pierce is going to do a good job. Well, and just yesterday, Marvin Lewis, the longtime Bengals coach, added as assistant head coach to the Las Vegas Raiders. They worked together for a few years at Arizona State. That'll help Antonio Pierce get his bearings as he moves forward. You had a great item in Football Morning in America this week, too, about the Raiders and the Chiefs. What a thing for the Raiders to have to turn over the keys to their practice facility uh. to the Chiefs. It, it reminded me of when Frank Costanza was talking about moving to Del Boca Vista. We're going to be in the swimming pool. We're going to be in the tennis courts. And we're going to be all over the shuffleboard court. They're going to be in all the Raiders stuff. And they can take no solace in the fact that they can root for the 49ers because the Raiders hate the 49ers as much or more than they hate the Chiefs. Yeah. It's the worst yeah. possible matchup for the, for the Raiders. What was really cool, I sat uh, in, um, you know, when I was at the 49ers game on Sunday, um, I sat two seats down from, uh, well, let, let, me, let me preface this by saying, you know, look, I love going to games, okay? And going to games is really, really a lot of fun. But there are some times when you start to realize, hey, you know, the Raiders are going to be in the Chiefs building. And there were a couple of guys in the press box that day, you know, who were former Raiders and who I asked them about it. And they just said, Phew, it's going to be brutal for Mark Davis to consider having Andy Reid and Brett Veach and Clark Hunt walking all, the, all through their building. And, and Mike, on the other hand, I'll tell you what's going to be very interesting. And 
And look, for people who don't understand this, let me explain. Because I I have been, and I am going to be a pool reporter at the uh, Super Bowl again this year for one of the teams, actually for Kansas City. And so you're able in that situation to go and watch the team as they practice at that facility. And over the years, I've seen Peyton Manning in the Miami Dolphins facility. You know, I've seen, uh, you know, I've seen Tom Brady. I think they were at Tulane that year, the first year they won the Super Bowl, Belichick and, and Brady and Bledsoe. But you get to see them. And in the times that they are in the other team's building, the other team has to abandon the building. They can't be in there. So they have to give their building over to the uh, to the team. So I don't know how far they will go into their building or what rooms they will use, meeting rooms. I you know I don't know. Different coaches do different things. They might have the meetings at their own hotel rather than you know at the at the facility. But what is really really interesting, I think, about this particular one is over the years, I have seen four or five Raiders Chiefs games. I mean, they hate each other, really hate each other. And that's why when I think of this game and this team inside the Raiders facility, look, Mark Davis is not Al Davis by any stretch. But Mark Davis, probably the thing he will wake up with a black cloud over his head during Super Bowl week. There won't be a lot, but Andy Reid walking through my building, that's one of those things. Sitting at the desk, eating a cheeseburger, hanging out, putting his feet up. And I'm surprised over the years there hasn't been some anecdote that's emerged about some prank or some indignity or something that was left behind, you know, maybe on the carpet in Michael Scott's office for for uh, the team that came back in and took over. Let's take a break. When we return, new Seahawks coach Mike McDonald met the media for the first time on Thursday in Seattle. We'll hear from him next year on PFT Live. Yeah, when I hear people tell me that you've risen really fast, it just makes me a little uncomfortable because that's not really the goal. You're, you're you're trying to use you're trying to be in the role that you are to help the team the best you can, and uh, ultimately, as your roles and your responsibilities increase, you know the ability to do that becomes is greater. You know, so um, I think I think that's the mentality you have to have. Our players here and the players that will be able to coach. Um, for the Seahawks, man, I just I hope you understand that you're the driving force behind everything that we do. And I can guarantee you this, you will get everything out of myself and our coaching staff every day. And we will not stop until we want to get to where we get. Pete Carroll was 36 years old when Mike McDonald was born. McDonald now 36 himself. Maybe there's somebody being born right now who will eventually replace Mike McDonald as a head coach 36 years from now. I won't be around to see it happen, most likely. So uh, anyway, what a change from what the Seahawks had. And kudos to McDonald for wearing a little something from the Andrew Whitworth collection. The hoodie with a jacket over top of it. I'm a big fan, Peter. 
of no suits and ties at these introductory press conferences. It makes you look wooden. It makes you look stiff. You never wear a suit. Tom Landry's days are over. I like the McDonald kind of – it's not – is it business casual? I don't know what it is. Hoodie and a jacket a few years ago, you can't pull it off now. Go with it. I like it. It's from the – you're right. It's from the Andrew Whitworth collection. The first time he wore that on Thursday Night Football – I'm looking at, I'm actually watching it on my phone somewhere. And I said to myself, that doesn't work, Andrew. <clears throat> but evidently <laughs> it did work because he wore it every day, you know. So Every um, week, yeah. Look, yeah. here's the here's the thing that, that, you know, having been around the Ravens some this year, here's the thing you realize about Mike McDonald. Uh, he doesn't speak a lot of effervescent phrases. And quite frankly, he doesn't speak a lot unless he needs to speak. He's a quiet guy. I think he is one of these guys who really impresses you when you sit down and start to talk football. As somebody with the Ravens said, look, he is going to, you are going to want to work with this guy once you talk to him. And I think what was so interesting in this process, Mike, is that, you know, the way the NFL rules work, if the Ravens had lost, I'm sorry, if the Ravens had won on Sunday, had won the AFC championship game, John Schneider and the Seahawks would have had to wait until after the Super Bowl to ever meet with Mike McDonald. And and the question is, do you think that John Schneider and Jody Allen and the Seahawks would have waited two weeks? I do. But... There is a little cost for waiting two weeks in this environment now. Number one, seven of the other eight teams that had to totally rebuild their staff would have had a two-week-plus start on filling out the coaching staff. So Mike McDonald might have been able to uh, you know, make some deals, and he might have known that Coach X is going to go with me if I get a job. But he would have lost out on some, too, because there are teams right now that are saying to coaches, hey, listen, you got this contract in front of you. You got three days to sign it. That's it. If you don't sign it, we're looking for somebody else for special teams or offensive line or whatever, because we can't be left at the altar. You know, if you tell us on February 19th that you're going somewhere else. So there's a lot of that going on. But I think that the Seahawks were willing to wait for Mike McDonald if they had to. And McDonald will call the defensive plays for the Seahawks in 2023 as he ran the Ravens defense. First time in NFL history, a defense ranked first in points allowed per game, sacks and takeaways. We reported yesterday that Ryan Grubb, who had been the Washington offensive coordinator, left the Huskies with Kalen DeBoer for Alabama under consideration to leave Alabama to come back to Seattle to be the offensive coordinator for Mike McDonald. It's not finalized yet, under consideration. Rooney Rule applies now to offensive coordinator jobs, so they have interview requirements. But the way I heard it yesterday, it's not a done deal, but it's moving in that direction that Ryan Grubb, just a few weeks after packing up and moving out of Washington, will be moving back, most likely, to the state that he just left, Peter. Well, you know, Mike, I think at this time of year, 
it's very advisable for coaches in demand uh, to rent and not buy and to keep a suitcase handy. I know people out there don't really care, don't understand, but this is a time in the coaching business of tremendous stress because so many guys out there don't know where they're going to be or don't even know if they're going to get a job. So that's that's case one. Well, that's right, and it's a lot of moving parts as these staffs get finalized. And the later you hire the coach, the harder it is to get everybody that you want to get. We're going to take a break. When we return, Cliff Kingsbury back in the National Football League after a one-year break, first in Thailand, then at USC. Cliff Kingsbury back running offense. We'll discuss that next year on PFT Live. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Friday. Friday. It's almost like whoever named Friday knew it should be celebrated with free fries. Free fries Friday at McDonald's. Get a free medium fries with any purchase of a dollar or more on the McDonald's app. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Offer valid through 930 to participate in McDonald's excludes tax. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Looking at my notes from his eval, I mean, that's just a year ago. You know, we're, we're evaluating him as a player, as a person. And with all the information that we could... I just got more and more fired up about the opportunity to have this amazing talent. And he's the guy. He's the right guy that you all that we all talk about when we have that quarterback, that that franchise, face of the franchise type of player. Um, and that got me really excited. Dave Canales, new coach of the Panthers, talking about Bryce Young, the quarterback. And look, I view anything that he says about Bryce Young skeptically because we all know that this is what the owner wants. And if you want that job, you better want Bryce Young. And you better be all in with Bryce Young. Now, if you're not all in with Bryce Young, you don't take the job. But, you know, unlike Ben Johnson, maybe Canales thought, hey, the window's open, I'm jumping through it. Because, frankly, Peter, if there's any job to say no to, and you and I, I think, agree on this 100%, if if there's any job to say no to, it's a job working for David Tepper. Yeah, and I mean... I think that job would have been deadly without a high first-round draft pick and the owner uh, in-house unless you have a quarterback who you think has a chance. And, you know, Mike, I've been saying this for three months. I don't know how you make a judgment. I think I said it earlier in this show, so I'm going to be a broken record. Um, I don't know how you think you can make some sort of judgment on Bryce Young based on this past year where he just got the crap kicked out of him. And I think that job one uh, for Dan Morgan, the new general manager, and for Dave Canales, the coach of this team, needs to be to make sure 
that that offensive line is either totally or mostly overhauled in this offseason. Yeah, they got a lot of work to do, and the Bears are going to be using the first overall pick that they earned with a disastrous season. Now that Canales is out in Tampa, there's a question about who will take over. Reportedly, the Buccaneers working on a deal to bring Kentucky offensive coordinator Liam Cohen back to the NFL. He had previously been with the Rams. And Baker Mayfield is a key factor in all this, Peter, because he's due to be a free agent. Now they could franchise tag him, but he needs to feel good about whatever the offense is going to be post Canales. I mean, this guy's bounced around from coach to coach. What was the graphic during the playoff game? Eight head coaches that that uh, Baker Mayfield's had during his career, bunch of different offensive coordinators. So he finally finds something in Tampa that works, and there goes Dave Canales. And he, he needs to feel good about whoever they replace Canales with, and it looks like it's going to be Liam Cohen. Look, I, I respect Baker Mayfield. He put his money where his mouth was this year and played for his future and played damn well. But if you're Baker Mayfield, you have to know that, look, this team wants me in Tampa. This division-winning playoff team wants me. We won a playoff game this year. What other teams in the NFL right now would pay me something close to the market value contract or, or, or somewhere near a market value contract that Tampa will give me. So while I respect Baker Mayfield saying, well, hold on a minute, I got to know what's happening to this offense before I, you know, commit to this team. I mean, you got to have options. There's 32 teams in the NFL. How many of those teams right now are pinging uh, the agent for Baker Mayfield saying, don't do anything until you talk to us? I, I doubt that that is the case. He had a great season, and he should get a good contract out of it. The question is, would the Bucks have to use the franchise tag? Will they be able to sign him to a long-term deal? Would they risk putting him on the open market? Do you use the transition tag where you just have the right to match and see, will someone else make him a big offer that we just think is too much? By the way, Liam Cohen was the offensive coordinator with the Rams the week that Baker Mayfield wow. showed up and two days later beat the Raiders on Thursday Night Football. I mean, Liam Cohen has had a really, really interesting last three or four years. I think he's had about 17 jobs. And he he obviously left the Rams last year to go back to Kentucky after he had been at Kentucky. He left the Rams, and there are a lot of reports that he just really didn't love working with Sean McVay. And not a lot of reports. A lot, I should say a lot of rumors that he didn't like working with Sean McVay. And so it'll be interesting now if he gets to run his own show in Tampa because obviously with Todd Bowles being back, whoever runs that offense gets to be the head coach of the offense. And if you do well, what happens? You get to be a head coach somewhere else, like Dave Canales, who just was kind of in the shadows in Seattle for all those years, came to the Seahawks, with Pete Carroll in 2010, was receivers coach, then got involved in quarterbacks coaching, got involved in coordinating the passing game, one year as an offensive coordinator and becomes a head coach. So if you do a good enough job in that one year as an OC, you can become a head coach. So maybe that's in the, in the cards for Liam Cohen if the Buccaneers overachieve again this year 
with Baker Mayfield. Also, Raiders hiring Cliff Kingsbury to be the offensive coordinator. He washed out after four years with the Cardinals. Before that, he was at Texas Tech. He's never been over 500 for his full time at either school. Was at USC for a year. And now he'll run that offense. You were talking earlier about what they're going to do at quarterback. I mean, now that they have Kingsbury, who knows what they're going to do, but it's going to make things exciting. And there may be a lot of points scored. They may not win a lot of games, but it could be fun to watch. You know, we've talked about Cliff Kingsbury in the past here, Mike, and, I, and I've said that, it, it, and, and I'll translate this into Raider ease. But the happiest person in this building with the Raiders should be Josh Jacobs. And you say, well, wait a second. Doesn't Cliff Kingsbury fill the air with footballs? And I just go back to the first conversation I ever had with Cliff Kingsbury. It was on the back of a golf cart in his first training camp uh, inside State Farm Stadium because that's where the Cardinals had training camp. And in the first five minutes I sat with him, he said, we're going to have a great running game. That is my priority. And I'm thinking, what is wrong with this picture? I don't get it. And he said, that has to be the basis of everything we do. And you look at how the Arizona Cardinals ran the football, and he was absolutely right. They ran it great when he was there. So, Josh Jacobs, you want to win another rushing title? This is your lucky day. Meanwhile, Chip Kelly, the head coach of UCLA, who previously coached the 49ers for a year and the Eagles for three, it's clear he's trying to get back into the NFL as an offensive coordinator. If you parse through the language of some of the reports that have emerged in recent weeks, he's interested, far more interested than a team has been interested in him yet. He reportedly interviewed at least twice for the Raiders job. I had heard earlier this week that's the job he wanted. Now there's some vague reporting possibly linking him to the commanders and it feels like it's more he's interested in the commanders than the commanders interested in him but this is a guy and peter we talked yesterday about the boston college coach leaving to be defensive coordinator of the packers right this shift in college football is making head coaches of teams that aren't going to be able to compete because they don't have the money for nil it's making them look for ways out of college football you're right about that, Mike, and and I think that, you know, to, to for people to understand uh, the impact of NIL on college football, um, understand that, for instance, Nick Saban did not make his decision in a vacuum. Soon after the end of his season, several players went to him and said, in essence, what's my NIL deal this year? Uh, what are we going to do? How much more money can I make? Blah, blah, blah. I heard more than a few, actually. Um, and and in addition, a very prominent agent told me a couple of weeks ago, he was on the trail. This was after the college football season. He's out trying to recruit draft-eligible players. Uh, and one of them was trying to decide whether he was going to go back in the draft or back, I'm sorry, was going to enter the draft or he was going to go back to his team in college football. And this agent said that the player asked him to ask the college coach, hey, listen, could you get him an an increase of X in his NIL deal? And if you got him that, he'll come back. And if you didn't, he was going to enter the draft. And this agent called the college football quarter, uh, the college football coach 
And he said he said that to him, and the coach just said, well, give me a day. I'll try to do it, but I can't pay him more than our quarterback in NIL. And so I don't know what ended up happening, but those are the kind of things that are happening in college football. And you say, well, geez, why would these guys want to go from being a highly paid head coach in college football to a lesser paid coordinator in the NFL? And I think it has to do with, in the case of Chip Kelly, look, what does Chip Kelly have? $50 million in the bank? I don't even, I don't have any idea. He's got a lot of money in the bank, whatever it is. And so now he's probably, at whatever age he is, what, 60 years old? I I don't know what he is. 60. But he's probably saying, oh, he's 60? That was a wild guess. I didn't know. But anyway, he's probably saying, I would rather coach for the love of coaching and because I want to coach, even if I'm going to make half the amount of money that I was making or less, because this is a total pain in the rear end. That's just a guess of mine. I haven't talked to Chip Kelly since he was the coach of the Eagles. The only way to fix college football, and this is the great irony of the situation they now have to deal with, the way to fix it is make all of the players employees, let them unionize, and have a league like the NFL, the NCAA. They're all part of the same bargaining unit. They come up with rules for how you can sign and pay and salary cap, et cetera. That's the only way to fix it is to just finally give in and pay them and deal with all the ramifications on the back end. That's the only way to get it back to what it was because it's going to be the teams that have the NIL money, the teams that don't, and the teams that do. And, you know, I remember when West Virginia would have a good year unexpectedly. Well, you didn't have to worry about losing the great players. Now, boom, gone. Yeah. Boom, gone. Hey, you got a great player. Boom, gone. We can pay him. You can't. Boom, gone. All right, we're gone for a few minutes. When we return, when did Kyle Shanahan first realize that Brock Purdy was the guy? Story time with his boss, Jed York, next year. It's ama- this is an amazing story. It really is good. What's the best way to start the day? I'll tell you the best way to start the day. Shredded wheat and bran with blueberries and almond milk. And then at 845, I say, man, this has been a great start to the day. <laughs> what do you think, Mike? Florio? I think that's a pretty good start. I don't to the day. think we should ask me that question. I don't know. Chris starts the day differently than... The rest of us. I think they call it wake and bake. Anyway, that was four years ago. Was it four years ago or five years ago? I can't do the math. Five years ago. Five years ago. Where were we five years ago for Super Bowl 53? I can't even remember. It wasn't Miami. What was the year before Miami? Was it? It wasn't Minnesota. That was 52. Oh, it was Atlanta. It was Atlanta. 13-3. Patriots over the the Rams, when Jared Goff missed wide open Brandon Cooks and what could have been the Super Bowl delivering touchdown, but Jason McCourty got over and broke it up after they ran the same play in the first half and he didn't see Brandon Cooks wide open. Anyway, uh, that was five years ago. In just three days, we'll be back there for a full week. I would make it, I'd have a different Tuesday. I would have a different breakfast this, this time. And that is. Ann King gets up every morning and makes me fresh oatmeal, and it is utterly fantastic. You put a little bit of honey on top, and you put blackberries and blueberries in there and a bunch of walnuts, 
it might be the greatest breakfast in the history of planet Earth. Wow. Not a big walnut fan. Walnuts are a little too chewy for me. I don't like nuts that are chewy. I like them crunchy. Walnuts are chewy. They're like stale nuts. They're like stale peanuts. Anyway, the rest of it sounds great. Okay, so Jed York, CEO of the San Francisco 49ers, who notoriously said six or seven years ago, you can't fire the owner. Well, doesn't need to worry about getting fired now because the 49ers are great. And one of the reasons they're great is because of Brock Purdy. Here is York talking about a conversation that he had with Kyle Shanahan training camp 2022 when the last pick in the draft, Brock Purdy, was at the bottom of the depth chart. Here's what York had to say about what Shanahan told him. And he grabs me after practice. He's like, hey, hey man, we, we, we got to talk. And that's generally not a good thing when your coach tells you we got to talk. <laughs> like, all right, what's up? And he's like, ah, I think our third string quarterback's our best quarterback. I'm like, okay. I'm like, what does that mean? He's like, well, he's like, obviously, like, we've invested in Trey. Like, Trey's doing a good job. Like, we're going to do everything that we can. We're not going to change that. And we're not going to change the chart, the depth chart. But, like, I, I, I think Brock will end up being our quarterback at some point. And, like, he didn't force it. Right? You had two injuries, and that's how Brock ended up playing. But he's, he's always honest, even if it's not, like, one thing that owners don't love to hear when they've invested money and or draft picks or both into people, that the last pick in the draft is the guy that we think is the best. <laughs> that's, that's generally not great news. Um, but, but he's honest, and he let it play out the right way. And it did indeed play out. Brock Purdy became the starter once Jimmy Garoppolo got injured late in the year. Brock Purdy carried them all the way to the NFC Championship. He got injured when he was hit in the elbow by Hassan Reddick, but good to go when the regular season started, even though, even though, Shan- and I wonder if they asked Jed York about this. They still haven't asked anybody about this. Brock Purdy said on the record that Shanahan told him last year he wanted to sign Tom Brady, and they still haven't been asked about that. What a different alternate universe we would have if Tom Brady was the guy getting ready for the Super Bowl with the San Francisco 49ers, and who knows whether they even would be. Brock Purdy has been great. I mean, Peter, we've been raving about it all week. The way he makes the decision to slip through traffic and run with the ball, and it's not flashy. There's not a lot of panache to it. It's not as exciting as watching Patrick Mahomes run around with his hair on fire, but he just goes. And he had multiple great runs on Sunday that that I think made the difference between winning and losing for the 49ers. You know, Mike, uh, Kyle Shanahan said that after the game. I was in Santa Clara for that game and spent a few minutes with Brock Purdy afterwards, and I asked him about the runs, and... There's two things about my time with with Brock Purdy. Number one, this was to him not that big a deal. Where you saw that how weird it was that he got stopped by Debo Samuel, perhaps from scoring a touchdown. And in his 25 previous starts in the NFL, he had never run for more than 17 yards on a single run. And here, twice in the span of 15 minutes, he ran for 21 yards each time and also had a 10-yard run. So, and he basically just kind of shrugged his shoulders and said, I, there was nobody there. I had to run. I did. I'm not awful running. So I had a lot of confidence I was going to pick up what I needed to pick up. And here's the other thing, as somebody else with the Niners told me, they said that, look, look, 
you are not going to defend Brock Purdy the way you defend Lamar Jackson, where there would either be a spy on Lamar Jackson to, you know, to make sure that if he got out of the pocket, you were going to be able to at least be competitive to tackle him. So the intermediate area of the field, likely, if you have a bunch of downfield routes called, the intermediate area of the field is going to be fairly open, and it was. And I think the one other thing from talking to Purdy that was so interesting, at least to me, is that when I asked him what happened at halftime, Mike, do you mind if I just read you this little bit uh, of this quote from Brock Purdy? You know, because we are conditioned in the media to say, okay, somebody stood up and made a fire and brimstone speech and did this, and man, that turned it around. And I can tell you that 95% of that is bull crap. Bull crap. Because, and, and let me, so let me just read you, Brock Purdy, right here. I said, what happened at halftime? With your season on the line, what what happened in there? And he goes, Kyle's writing up the plays we're going to start out with in the first drive of the second half. Everybody's eating, drinking, refueling. Not much said. We're just listening to the plays that he's going to call, what he expects the defense to do. There's so much experience and veteran leadership on this team where guys just know what their job is and what we have to do. There's not a lot of rah-rah or anything. We need to get points on the board. Get first downs, convert third downs. Defense has to get stops. Sure enough, we go out there and do that. That was it. Nothing more than that. So I understand that Fred Warner did say a couple things at the half. Shanahan said a couple things at the half. That's not the reason why they won this game. The reason why they won this game is you had a quarterback who is impervious, in my opinion, to pressure. And he, he's going to play the same on every snap. And if it's not good enough at the end of the day, they're going to lose. And if it's good enough, they're going to win. But it's not going to be all the hocus pocus that people think happens uh, inside football. It just isn't. It's how you adjust at halftime. Now, I do believe at halftime of this game that there, was a f- there were a couple of come-to-Jesus moments with this defense. That defense got embarrassed uh, in the first half against Detroit. And, you know, with a couple of little changes that were made, and I think, as we talked about earlier, Mike, that Ben Johnson sort of changed how he called this game. They pulled it back a little bit, and that wasn't good for the Lions. We're going to take a break. When we return, since we won't be able to do it next Friday in Las Vegas, we're going to do it a week early. Show me something draft for Super Bowl 58. That's next here on PFT Live. There are the odds for Super Bowl MVP for Super Bowl 58. The favorite, no surprise, Patrick Mahomes, Brock Purdy just behind him, Christian McCaffrey, and down the list it goes. I don't see a single defensive player on there. It doesn't happen very often that it's a defensive player. It should have been Aaron Donald a couple of years ago. It'll probably be one of the quarterbacks, the quarterback of the winning team. Peter, do you remember the only player from the losing team in the Super Bowl to be named MVP? Chark Howley. Well done. Super Bowl V, 
Wheeling, West Virginia native, and just entered the Hall of Fame this year. Well done. You know, the reason I I remember that, reason I remember that quick is that when Thurman Thomas had the great game against the Giants when the Bills lost 20-19, to Paul Zimmerman was outraged that Thurman Thomas didn't win the MVP and that Otis Anderson did. I think there was probably a point there. Um, show me something time for Super Bowl 58. Peter, it's, it's a week early, but we know the teams and we know what to expect. Who do you want to show you something in the Super Bowl nine days from today? Show me something, Isaiah Pacheco. So if I were Isaiah Pacheco, and if I gambled, which I do not, my $5 would go on Isaiah Pacheco to win MVP. And it's a very simple reason. The San Francisco 49ers have allowed 159 yards per game in their two playoff games against the run. This is the way to attack the 49ers unless they uh, really play this game differently than they have their first two. In my opinion, Isaiah Pacheco is going to get the ball early and often for Kansas City. So show me something, Isaiah Pacheco. Show me how you can win Super Bowl MVP while rushing for over 125 yards. Show me something, Nick Bosa. Every once in a while, we're reminded in the Super Bowl of how a great pass rush can deliver a victory. It happened in Super Bowl 55. Buccaneers Chiefs, great pass rush. Injured Patrick Mahomes helped, too, and injured offensive linemen helped. Great pass rush, shut down the Chiefs. Super Bowl 50, great pass rush by the Broncos, shut down the Panthers. Nick Bosa had two sacks against the Lions after four straight games with none. If the 49ers are going to have any chance to neutralize Patrick Mahomes, Nick Bosa has to get after him, and he needs one at a minimum, if not two sacks, maybe a strip sack, something to keep Patrick Mahomes off his game, that needs to come from Nick Bosa. Show me something, Brock Purdy. Everybody in America, all the critics of Brock Purdy, and I believe at last count there were 114 million of them, uh, all the critics of Brock Purdy are waiting for him to drop the ball or throw it to somebody else in this Super Bowl. Show me something, Brock Purdy. Show me who you have been ever since you walked into 49ers camp that you are to be depended on and you are to be a big game player. Show me something, Brock Purdy. Show me something, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who has shown us plenty in the last two playoff games. Road wins by the Chiefs. A great catch at the start of the third quarter. Kind of dropped in over the shoulder. No hesitation. Caught the ball. Nice little gain. And then he had that dagger catch falling down from Patrick Mahomes on Sunday against the Ravens. The guy who had plenty of drops hasn't been dropping them lately. Let's see if he can keep up catching the ball. We'll take a break and do round three when PFT Live continues right after this. Oh, wait. Oh, 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 I failed again. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And for Super Bowl 58, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in bonus bets instantly. Download the app and use the promo code PFTLive when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. And please bet responsibly. Round three when PFT Live continues. Vegas, baby, we're headed there over the weekend, and we will be live 
at 1 p.m. Eastern. We're not starting at 4 a.m. local time. That's for damn sure. Before us, Dan Patrick, then Matthew Berry's Fantasy Football Happy Hour, Brother from Another with Michael Hawley after that. But you'll see me and Chris all five days, the one week of the year, Peter, when we get Chris to actually work five days. It's an amazing accomplishment. We'll have fun. We'll have Peter on next Tuesday. All right, we got one more round left of the Super Bowl 58 Show Me Something draft. What do you got? Show me something, Matt Nagy. I bet that's not one you expected, but I'll tell you why. Wow. The last two times I have seen Andy Reid post-game, he has told me that Matt Nagy has been borderline brilliant in coming to him with ideas and new ideas and what to do in the game. The one that stands out is what he did in New England when he picked out a game from an Ivy League, or picked out a play from an Ivy League football game in the 40s that he saw that he said, man, with our talent, we can do this. Show me something, Matt Nagy. Show me something that'll shock the world and the San Francisco 49ers. I'm going to see your Matt Nagy and raise you a show me something, Steve Wilkes, because that defense at times in San Francisco has not been great this year. They gave up 24 points in the first half last week before they put the clamps down on the Lions, although some of it was self-inflicted by Dan Campbell and company. They need to come out hot. They need to come out strong. I said earlier about Nick Bosa. They need to get after Patrick Mahomes. That is the only way you're going to slow him down and beat him is to make him not be Patrick Mahomes, Peter. You know why I love that one, Mike? Because at halftime of the game, everybody is thinking last Sunday, what in the world is Steve Wilkes going to do to stop this from being a 48-20 to 20 game? That's a good one. Well, and he put the Jedi mind trick on Dan Campbell to go for it on a couple of fourth downs where maybe he shouldn't have. That's how he pulled it off. That's it for today. We'll see you from Las Vegas, 1 p.m. Eastern on Monday. Have a great weekend. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.